0: Here's Pastor Scott. Listen to what God's word says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Be Thankful Until You Become Grateful, and Then Be Thankful Again. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. God, I pray now in Jesus' name that you would anoint me to say what you would have me to say. Give us ears, God, to hear you today. Strengthen my body, Lord. And speak to us from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be thankful until you become grateful and be thankful again. Every year, I pray and ask God to give me something to focus on for the coming year. Something to theme out and to look forward to and to uncover truth in the Bible about that. And I, I know that God spoke to me clearly about our theme for this year, getting serious about getting healthy in 2017 getting serious see a lot of people say what they want to do Oh, I want to get in the gym and work out but they're not serious about it oh, I want to I want to strengthen my relationships but they're not serious about it when I talk about health I'm not just talking about what it sounds like not just physical I believe what experts teach we live on five different realms we we, we live on a physical spiritual emotional relational and financial realm and I want you to get serious about getting healthy in all five areas In 2017, I want you to pay attention to your life, and I want you to get serious about getting healthy physically, get serious about getting healthy spiritually, get your money right, get your mind right, and get your relationships right. If you could do all that in 2017, it would be the best year of your life. Today, I want to focus on one of those five areas. Today, I want to focus on the emotional aspect because I have seen the world changed in my 53 years. I've always thought, even as a kid, I used to think, "Man, it must be hard on old people, seeing all this change." Could you imagine having been locked, like in a, in a, in, a, in a frozen in time, and uh, in like 1950, and then thrown out into 2017, and just look around, just the, the, just freak you out. But I've seen so much change in my life, and I've seen different things used by the devil, because the Bible says your adversary has a strategy. And that you should not be ignorant concerning the strategy of the devil. And he always has a strategy, and sometimes his strategies vary a little bit. He uses different things to attack us in different ways. And I've seen these things be generational. I've lived through the sex, drugs, and rock and roll era of the 60s. And there was a time when that was what was... Pulling people away from God and, and grabbing people's attention. And, and then there was the sweeping movement of the, the disco duck era. and You know, unbuttoned here, both chest hairs hanging out, Mr. T starter set, necklace case thing, all that. I know, I, I know some of y'all had that. Let's don't brag about it, but put it up on Facebook. We want to laugh at you. I mean, what, through whatever, whether, whether it was the emo, screamo, vamps, gothic, whether it was the hip-hop, listen, sagging was never in style. Pull your pants up. Nobody needs to see. If your underwear is on the outerwear, you got it backwards. Uh, but I've seen all these, listen, and all those things are is a distraction of the devil. They're just a way that he wants to try to pull your mind away from you being who God wants you to be. I hear people say, well, I got to be me. I'm just trying to be unique. Listen. People used to get tattoos to be unique. Guess what? That ain't a unique. Everybody's got a tattoo. People used to get ear piercings and, and face piercings and body. But well, I'm I'm just trying to be an individual. That don't make you an individual. Everybody's got that. Pe- people used to rebel and talk back to parents and 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 think. Well, I you know I'm just being. I'm just expressing myself as an individual. That's not individualistic. Everybody is doing that. But there's always an attack. There's always a pull. There's always a way that the enemy wants to try to put us in bondage and i believe over the last two decades i've seen more people struggling emotionally than in any other way and that's wild because we live in a drug addicted society we live in uh, an alcoholic society but i believe the number one attack on people in in this country today is in the area of the mind i told y'all before they keep inventing new stuff all the time Uh, we didn't have hyperactive kids when i was little because parents beat that out of them that's just how it was be like oh well excuse my child from running around your house climbing up your entertainment center breaking all your dishes no we didn't have that when i was growing up we had parents snatching hair out of kids so but you know as, as time progressed we started developing these diseases why so big pharma could sell you drugs and get rich And so they had hyperactive, and then they had attention deficit disorder, and then they had HDAD, then they had social anxiety disorder, then then they had all these phobias, and and now you go to a doctor to label you with anything and, and put a different pill on you. Listen, don't let pills zombie you out to where you, you, you're supposed to feel some emotional pain in your life. You're supposed to feel some physical pain in your life. You're supposed to go through some stuff. We want to act like there's a magic pill out there to fix stuff. I want to tell you that God is a way maker and a mind regulator, and you can trust him better than you can trust a pill. I'm not saying that there's not need for that. I know there's chemical imbalances. I know there are people that need to to do stuff for a temporary time, but there is a battle on in people's emotions, and I want to get healthier this year emotionally. I'm as messed up emotionally as anybody you'll ever find. I have never denied it. I got problems just like you've got problems. Preachers are not robots. They they were human beings before they were preachers, even the saved ones. That's the message right there. I told y'all before, I'm not the greatest pastor in the world. I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, but I'm a Christian. I like that part of it for sure. But I know that the mind is under attack, and I want to get healthier emotionally in 2017. So we're going to be looking at Scripture that deals with how to get healthier in these five areas. Today we're going to talk about how to get healthier emotionally. Uh, The title of the message, Be Thankful Until You Become Grateful. And be thankful again. If you start reading about the emotions, about your mind, attitudes, dispositions, temperaments, you're, you're going to see two words that pop up a lot in popular uh, books in today's generation. And those words are thankful and grateful. Thank, you hear a lot talk, of talk about an attitude of gratitude and, and developing a spirit of Thankfulness. And, and these two words, they, they seem very similar, and a lot of people use them interchangeably. But I studied these two words this week to try to look for differences in them because words are specific. Yes, right. Words have meaning, and words have power. And I, I, I want to share with you some differences between grateful and thankful. Even though you'll see them listed as synonyms in a thesaurus, I want you to see the difference between these words. Gratitude is a state of being. It's a noun. It's a place where you are emotionally. That's what gratitude is. Thankfulness is different. Thankful is being aware of a benefit. It's an expression of gratitude. Thankfulness is an adjective. It describes something. See, thankful requires that there be a giver and a receiver. Thankful requires something that you've received that you're thankful for, but grateful or gratitude is just a frame of mind. That's a, why people talk about an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude's a state of being, thankfulness expresses that attitude of where that state of mind is. Let me say it this way gratitude is a feeling, but thankful is an expression of that feeling. Gratitude is where you are, but expressing thankfulness is how you get there. So they're closely related to each other, but my hope for you is that you would begin to be thankful until you become grateful and then be thankful again. You're never going to get to this attitude of gratitude. You're never going to be okay Mentally, Listen, I was so messed up as a kid, raised in dysfunction. Don't have time to even talk to you about it. But I can remember what I got for my 15th birthday. Listen, if your parent gives you a book, a psychology book when you're 15, titled I'm Okay, You're Okay, you got, you, your life's going bad and your parent's life is going bad, okay? But people want to get to this frame of mind where they can really say, I'm cool with it. That's why so many people smoke weed, because they think it'll just chill them out and make them be able to. That's why people drink alcohol. That's why people pop pills, because they think it'll, you know, take the edge off their mind, relax their mind, get them in the right state of mind to be able to deal with life. God told us in his word not to let anything control us other than his spirit. When the Bible said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost, that's not a discourse against drinking. There are other places in the Bible that warn about being drunk. But that verse, it's, it's not saying, uh, it's not talking about drinking. It's talking about being filled with the Spirit. See, because when you drink too much, you do what old folk call it. You temporarily lose control of your faculties. You, you're outside your right mind at that point. The, the alcohol starts taking Control or the drugs start taking control, but God's word says don't let any outside force have power over you other than the Holy Ghost, and so we've got to try to get to the place where we're not using people to make us feel good, where we're not using hobbies, career, fame, fortune, relationships. Psychologists will tell you uh, a lot of difference between men and women. I don't have time to get into all of it. It's a bunch. We know that, right? See, everybody, uh, women are trying to understand men, which is difficult. Men ain't trying to understand women because that can't happen. <laughs> so we just got to thank God for our differences and move on. But one of the differences that are sure is that women primarily get their sense of well-being from the strength of their relationships, family, kids, grandkids friends, closeness, intimacy. And men typically get their sense of esteem and well-being from how well they do in their career or their checkbook or how good they are at their hobby. But I want you to understand all those things will change. Your family will change. Your ability to do your hobby will change. Your income will change. Your career can go up and go down. We need to find a way to get to a place of being okay emotionally That doesn't involve these changing situations. See, you've heard me talk about the difference between joy and happy. Happy comes and goes. Good days, bad days, happy days, sad days. But joy is somewhere you live. Joy is somewhere that says, I'm okay. And if I had time enough to start, and I started with Deacon Jimmy, went all the way around the room and finished up with Kari and said, are you really all right emotionally right now the majority of people in the room if they would be honest they would say man i'm i'm a wreck i got stuff going on i got and people have real big issues in life that's why we need to be thankful you don't want somebody else's problems you see people sitting around you come to church look dressed right look, look like they got everything going on listen i get the joy ha ha of hearing everybody's problems And and knowing the struggles and people are hurting in 2017, and the enemy wants to use that to keep you beat down emotionally. So I want us to look at how to be thankful until we can become grateful so we can be thankful again. Because when we express thankfulness repeatedly, we develop an attitude. And that attitude is gratitude. But unless we express thankfulness repeatedly, that's not going to stick, and you got to work on you in 2017. You got So many people are sitting back waiting on God to do the next big thing. When's God going to come through for me? I just need God to do something for me. God's already done enough for us at Calvary. God, if he never did another thing, the fact that he gave you eternal life, that's plenty. We need to do our part in 2017. We need to get our minds together. We need to develop our emotions properly, and one of the ways to do that is by repeatedly being thankful. That will eventually create an attitude of gratitude. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm not going to have you out the person next to you. But how cool would it be if everybody that lives in your house went from being in the state of mind that they're in to being a grateful, thankful, emotionally well-balanced person? Can we be excited about that for just one moment? That would be a blessing. Amen? Amen? And that's where we want to try to get to. I'm, uh, I love our text from this morning because it's so bullet. It, it's, it's I love movies with one-liners. You want to see some good movies with one-liners? Tombstone got a lot of good one-liners in it. Movie, movies that just hit you and you remember something. But I love this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's look at it real quick, and then I'll wrap up. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, our opening text. Brothers and sisters. Now, we learn a lot of hermeneutics. At Abundant Life. The art and science of properly interpreting Scripture. Principles, keys, ways to read it and understand it. Because the Bible is a hard book to understand if you don't know how to read it with understanding. When the Scripture says brothers and sisters, what kind of people is it talking to? Christians. So if you call yourself a Christian, this is definitely for you. It will work for everybody. But it's especially written to Christians. We urge you to warn those who are lazy. Period. Period. I'm always going to tell you, pay attention to the punctuation. It's there for your perfection. It'll help you understand with clarity what the Bible has to say. Now, it says, Christians, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Who's the passage written to? So guess what kind of people the lazy people are? Ha! So are Christians lazy? Many times. They can be. So what should we do to lazy Christians? Warn them. There's a better way. There's a better way. Nagging, that doesn't work. Judging and condemning, that doesn't work. People people got enough condemnation on their own head, they don't need you heaping any more on it. But you need to warn them and let them know there's a better way. I see you going this way. There's a better way. Start applying some solid principles to your life. Get up and get moving. Get up and do the right thing. The next phrase says, the next sentence says, Encourage those who are timid. Now, notice it doesn't say, now many places the Bible says that being lazy is bad. It doesn't say that being timid is bad. But there are some timid people in the world. The psychologists try to break everybody down into two major classifications and then a bunch of subsets of those classifications, introverts and extroverts. If you're an extrovert, you know it. If you're not sure, you're an introvert. Let it be that way. But there are some timid people that just don't like Preachers that get loud, they don't like a lot of people around them, and, and it makes doing ministry and it makes doing communal living, which God wants us to be involved in each other's lives, it makes those people have difficulty in doing all that God wants them to do because God says you got to get involved in the lives of others, that you got to not just carry your own load but help somebody else shoulder their load. Well, for timid people that really aren't comfortable being around Others, we've got to encourage those, come on, shy person, come on, introvert. There's ministry for you to do, and God wants to stretch you. This is why most people don't want to go to a church where biblical principles are being taught. They want to go to a church where all the preacher ever says is, you're doing great. God's excited that you're on his team. God's so lucky that you came to church today. Let's go have a great week. But a church that's really teaching biblical principles that says we've all got a long way to grow. We've all got to start working better. We've all got to work in unity. We've all got to move from one level of glory to the next level of glory. That's a place of uncomfortableness. But if you ever get to a place where you start working out in a gym, uh, my 15-year-old is telling me how he likes the sense of feeling sore because he knows it means he broke his muscles down and they're going to grow back stronger. When you are growing and getting stronger, there is some level of discomfort there. And so we've got to encourage those who are especially fearful of personal discomfort. Because really, just sitting in church. I mean, I, I know people, I've counseled people who got up and, and came the next week and told me in counseling. I, I was nervous coming to church because I don't know a lot of people here. I believe this is where I want to be. But I was excited. I finally got my courage up to come, and I was, I was in a nice little row sitting by myself, and then a family came and sat down close to me, and I just I got up and ran. You say, that's just crazy. No, that's, how, that's where some people are at. And we need to learn how to encourage people to go further than they've gone before, to stretch beyond where they are now, you might be one of those timid people. If you are, allow people to encourage you. If you're not, encourage those who are. The next sentence says, take tender care of those who are weak. This is how you've got to read the Bible. Break it down in small phrases, bite-sized pieces so you can digest it, so you're not just reading, but you're comprehending and applying. Take tender care of those who are weak. It's talking about Christians, so are there weak Christians? Yeah. Yes, there are. they are lazy Christians, timid Christians, weak Christians, and all kinds of Christians, take tender care of those who are weak. My personality lends itself to bulldozing. My personality lends itself to forcefulness. My personality lends itself to lead, follow, or get out of the way. My personality leads itself to let's get it done because there's a thousand other things to get done. So people like me have to learn how to slow the task down. To love the people involved in the task. Take care of those who aren't as out there as you might be. And then the catch-all at the end of verse 14. Be patient with everyone. Timid, non-timid. Lazy, non-lazy. Weak, non-weak. Be patient with everyone. Now, there are some people who just seem like they're saints. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just seem like they were cut off God's cloth. Just, just... We, we say stuff like, oh, they're salt of the earth people. Oh, he'd just give you the shirt off his back. i never seen him do that. Stop. Who ever did that? But there are just certain people that are just awesome like that, and they, they seem to be able to tolerate stupid. I don't like tolerating stupid. Anybody with me on that? <sighs> Listen, if you don't ever get emotional driving, you ought to thank God. If if these Florida drivers don't get on your nerves, you ought to thank God. If these 103rd Blanding drivers just don't bother you, you ought to be in thankfulness all the time. You ought to just rejoice that that, that, that you are patient because the Bible commands us to be patient with everyone. Now, some people are easy to be patient with. They're just sweet, just easy to be around. I call them low-maintenance church members. I never been in their home. They've never been in mine. I've never been to the hospital to see them when they were sick. I, I, I've never been called at 3 o'clock in the morning by them. But we're good. And, and they love me. And I love them. And it's, hey, and if they ever needed anything, it's just, uh, I see, I'm excited. Answer that call, see what's going on. Now there are other people. High maintenance. Now I'm down with you. Trust me, low-maintenance, high-maintenance, I'm down with you. I, 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 I pray God send us low-maintenance people so I can have energy for high-maintenance people because there's other people that it's crisis mode, 3 o'clock in the morning. Pastor, you up? Yep. I'm more likely to be up at 3 o'clock in the morning than I am at 6 o'clock in the morning. Keep that in mind. But hang nail, burnt the toast. Pastor, I think there's a spirit in my house, My toaster. It burnt the bread. You got setting on that toaster? You got it pushed all the way over to the right? Dial it back a little bit. Good night. (laughs) Not just for me. You don't have to deal with all the complex personalities that I do vocationally, but you have to deal with folk on your job, in your home, in your school. You have to deal with different personality types everywhere you go. I want you, if you don't hear anything else I have to say today, I want you to hear this. Be patient with people. I had a professor in seminary, he was teaching a bunch of pastors, and he said, I'm going to tell you all something that hopefully you'll remember. It's easy to love great sheep, but it's hard to love retarded sheep. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's probably not politically correct, but I know what he meant. And we need to be patient with everyone. But here's the thing. You got to do for others what you expect them to do for you. So if you are a high-maintenance person, if you know you're that kind of person, you just get on everybody's nerves and you don't mean to, you know, you're just always that one just, just knifing somebody in the back of the neck and you don't mean to be that way, give yourself a break and realize that you can be patient with you too because you're part of everyone. Some of you set too high expectation on yourself. Some of you get angry and upset over yourself for not accomplishing everything that you think you ought to accomplish in one day. Be patient with everyone, say everyone. everyone. Verse 15 says, "See that no one pay back evil for evil." comma. We got to stop there. See that no one pays back evil for evil. In many ways, the kingdom of God is a counterculture. When the world says, "Bob, we got to weave." When they say, "Duck, we got to dodge." When they say, "Left, we go right." Because so many times God's way is different. Then the world's way, God's way is to not pay back evil for evil. Now, the way we were brought up, especially if you were brought up on the west side of Jacksonville like I was, you, you know, if you mess with the bull, you get to what? They started it, so I what? That's just how it is. And eye for an eye, two for a two. You don't want nothing to want what? Be nothing. But if you want some, there can be some. I got to look out for me. I got to grab all the gusto I can get. I got to take care of number one. I got to I got to do me. That's not God. God says see that no one pays back evil for evil. All right. Now, let let's, let's let's just check real quick. Okay. Now, you probably can't spend all week long worrying about if she paid anybody back evil for evil. Because you don't know she, and she don't know you. So we can't really see that no one, meaning everybody in the world pays back evil for evil, but who's the one person you can be sure that you check on to make sure they don't pay back evil for evil? Say me. You, you got to make sure that you don't pay back anybody evil for evil. Now, I know what it's like. You ever want to know what it's like to be stabbed in the back? You ever want to know what it's like? See, this is why all pastor's kids turn out to be bad. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Preacher's kids have a bad rep. And the reason why is because they watch people stand up and say, well, I just want to give testimony. I just give praise to God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, thanking him for everything and, and for the Holy Spirit who leads me and guides me. And I'm just so thankful that God has led me to this church. Abundant Life is the greatest church I've ever been to, and, and nobody, nobody's ever been to me what Pastor Scott is. And Pastor Scott, I just love the way he teaches. He's real, he's raw, he's relevant. I just thank God for him. Never had anybody be there for me. And then a month later, my kids uh, see them stabbing me in the back and trashing me into the ground and back, back out on the street where they used to be. And that's why pastor's kids grow up to be bad. Don't think preachers don't do a good job raising their kids. Kids see their dad get stabbed in the back all the time by by sloppy living church folk. And that's why so many people don't come to church now. It's not just preacher's kids. A lot of people used to come to church, but they saw the backstabbing going on in church. And they hung deuces on the church and said, it ain't for me anymore. We got to make sure that we don't fall victim. To this mindset that we were born with. They did me wrong. I'm going to do them wrong. Now you might not be that aggressive. You might not be like King David in the Bible. A man after God's own heart. A man whose ways always pleased the Lord. You might not be willing to pray David's prayers. That theologians have labeled imprecatory prayers. Prayers where he would imprecate the righteousness of God. Where he would ask God to get them. And imprecatory prayer is a prayer where you say stuff like David said reward them for the evil that they have done to me, O God. Crush their teeth with gravel and break their backs and remove all their children's, children's, children's names from your book of life that they may be everlasting desolate and not a memory. Now, before you start praying, God, send all your enemies to hell in a handbasket, remember how you treat others, how you're going to get treated. Okay, what you help make others happen is going to happen for you. We got to get to the place where we stop saying stuff like, well, they're going to get what they got coming to them. I hope I live long enough to see them fall flat on their face. Oh, I'm not paying them back evil for evil, but you're wishing it. And the Bible says "If you thought in your heart you did it. Okay, so we got to get to the place where we realize God can get them better than we can. When I was a young Christian, see, here, here's how you know you're an immature Christian, because you think you're a really good Christian. When you start to mature as a Christian, you realize you got a real long way to go. But when I was, when I was a younger Christian and thought I was a great Christian, but I was just really immature, I used to pray imprecatory prayers. And i say, God, I'm not being selfish. I'm just asking you, like, like David said, kill them all. You see they're evil, reward them justly. But then I realized how I treat other people is how people are going to treat me. And we need to make sure that we don't wish evil. Or, listen, people are going to do you wrong. People are going to do you wrong. So don't be one of those people. Well, I don't go to church because all the hypocrites. I told you, there's hypocrites at Walmart. You still go. Hypocrites at Publix, hypocrites on your job, hypocrites living in your house, you still go. Don't be the type that just tries to class, they're bad, and I, no. Let God deal with people. Everybody's going to do you wrong at some point. That's why the Bible says trust in the Lord and not in humans. Yeah. Scripture goes on to say, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. we got to do good to everybody, not just Christians, everybody. we got to love everybody. We've we got to treat everyone right because the Bible says that we should. Verse 16, three, you're talking about a bullet statement, three words, always be joyful. Now, here's a cliche that I believe in. I heard somebody say one time, God would never command you to do anything that you were not able to do. Or God would never command you to do anything that he wouldn't empower you to do. If I read sample template-centered text, whoo, I thought they added scripture. Okay, back to the word. If I read always be joyful, the first thought in my mind is there's just sometimes I can't. But that's not true. That's me. See, God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and God's ways are higher than my ways. God knows what he's talking about. God's word is right, and he says, always be joyful. There is a way to always be joyful, and if you be honest, you don't have it. Oh, not me, Pastor. I'm just always joyful. I'm the greatest Christian that ever lived. (laughs) There's different verses for you uh, about pride, but always be joyful. Joyful. I want to get to the place where I can truly say that, on good days and bad days, happy days and sad days, I still have joy. And God will allow you, and allow us to get to that place, if we'll let Him. Hey, it's, verse sixteen is connected to verse seventeen. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. In the King James version, it says, "Pray without ceasing." And I've heard a lot of theologians and And commentators say that that means to stay in an attitude of prayer. But that's not what it means. It doesn't mean to be in an attitude of prayer because that's just ideology. It means to be in a practice of prayer. um, Literally, always be praying. Never stop praying. You don't need to just pray when you wake up and then remember, oh, I need to pray before I go to bed. and pray. You should be praying throughout the whole day. You should always be praying. Just, just say a few words to God. You don't have to get on your knees for an hour at a time. You, you, don't, you don't have to spend 20 minutes praying. Just talk to God throughout your day, just like you send somebody a text. Shoot a thought up to God. Just pray about everything. Look at verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be th- this is how you get to always be joyful. This is how you get to the place where you are in God's will. And I've told you before, the number one thing in 35 years of doing ministry that I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I just want to know what God's will for my life is. I don't know what college you're supposed to go to. I don't know who you're supposed to marry. I don't know if you should pick the the, the brown or the blue. I do know what God's will for you is in the highest capacity, though. It is God's will For you to be thankful in every circumstance. If you want to get better emotionally in 2017 or at any point in your life, you are gonna have to be thankful in everything. See, it's easy to be thankful when times are going good. I've seen people give God thanks for losing their job and not know what's next, but they know God's in control. We've gotta get to a place where we truly can be thankful in all circumstances. Why should we be thankful? In all circumstances, because that's God's will. Somebody asks you, tell you, I'm, I'm trying to find out what God's will for my life is. Well, no, oh, I got that. I already know what God's will for your life is. First Thessalonians 5.18 says for you to be thankful in all circumstances. And then you will be on your way to getting to this state of mind. Remember? I said thankfulness is an expression it's something that you do for what you've received but gratitude is a state of being emotionally and i want you to get to this attitude of gratitude i want it's not nirvana it's not awareness but it's what all those fake religions are promising for this peaceful state of mind where you can just really, it's not Zen, it's not Chi, it, but it's, it's not your, your, your fifth chakra. But all those fake religions are trying to promise this one place of being which the Bible calls gratitude. And when you can get to this state of being and gratitude, you are going to live life on a different realm. But being thankful... We're thankful for what we get. But if we're repeatedly thankful, if we're thankful for everything, then we start doing what most people don't do. I told you most people complain more than they give thanks. What's on people's mind most is what they don't have. We live in a country where people have so much, our poor people would not be considered poor in most countries around the world. I'm going to keep saying it. Every poor person I know has a pack of cigarettes, a lighter, and a lottery ticket, and a cell phone and can get a red box anytime they want one. And know somebody with a DVD player to watch it. Poor people in other countries don't know where food is coming from. And we're giving away food, so you'll never be without food. As long as Abundant Life's a church, you can always get food. Because we're going to keep feeding people as long as we're, as long as we're open. We've got we've to get to this place where we do what the hymn writer said. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. If you rehearse your negativity to yourself all the time, you are going to become a negative, depressed person in need of medication, drugs, alcohol, and people to help you. But if you rehearse the good things God has done for you all the time, you are going to become a thankful person who begins to live in this atmosphere and attitude of gratitude to where all of life issues just roll off you like water off a duck's back, and people are going to say, something happened to him, something happened to her. God is doing a work in their life. Joel 2.21 says this, Don't be afraid, my people. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. That last phrase in this verse is repeated throughout the Bible often. The Lord has done great things. The Hebrew people would constantly be telling their children what God had done for them. Our God is the God who brought us out of Egyptian slavery. Our God is the God who delivered us from Pharaoh. Our God is the God who parted the Red Sea and we crossed over on dry land. Our God is the God who gave us a Messiah to redeem us. And they will constantly be rehearsing and re-rehearsing the good things that God has done for them. And we need to learn how to do that. Because complaints come out natural. But thankfulness has to come out purposeful. Psalm 40 verse 5 says, Many... Oh, Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Let me tell you what this is saying real quick so we can get out of here. God's done a lot of cool stuff for us. His thoughts about you are good. They're so good I can't even tell you about all of them. God, when God thinks about you, he doesn't think about you the way these other people staring at you think about you. When God thinks about you, he thinks about how much he loves you, how great you are, how awesome you are, how glad he is that he created you. God has done great things. And until you can really open your mouth and start saying that about your life, then you're never going to be thankful and you certainly can't get to grateful. Has God done anything good for you? We could talk about what we don't like. We could complain about politics, elections. We could could complain about past politicians. We could complain about money, economy, price of gas, price of whatever. But are you taking time in your day to be thankful for anything? we got to learn how to say God's done some cool things for me because God has truly done great things. Psalm 103, verse 1, the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. You can't do that if your woe is me. You can't do that if you have a hee-haw mindset. Y'all remember hee-haw? That song they sang every week? Gloom, despair, and agony on me? Deep, dark depression, excessive misery? If it weren't for bad luck, I would have no luck at all. Listen, that evil mindset is to trap you to think that your life is worse than it is. The fact that you're here today means God gave you strength to get out of bed this morning. God gave you strength to get dressed this morning. God gave you strength to get moving this morning. You ought to bless God. You ought to be thankful to God. You ought to bless his name. Verse 2 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord. Put verse 2 on the screen for me. Psalm 103, 2. Bless the Lord. Forget not all his benefits. This is the key to having something to be thankful about, remembering his benefits. What has God done for you? I don't believe God's done anything for me. He gave you oxygen to breathe. Let me say something to to atheists in the room, agnostics in the room, people who struggle with the, the thought of there being a God. Do you realize that if the earth was any closer to the sun, we'd all burn up? And if it was any further away, we'd all freeze to death? You realize that these planets revolve and spin around, stars fly out of the sky, and something is keeping all these planets from colliding into each other. Something is keeping the sun to come up every day and the moon to come out at night. God put oxygen on this planet for you to breathe. God gave you a brain so you could figure some stuff out. Don't forget all his benefits. You need to start remembering God's benefits. You need to start thinking about what good things God has done for you. So I'm going to close with this. I encourage everybody that I can, everyone I meet, I say read the proverb of the day. Whatever day of the month. Today's the 29th day of the month, so we start our morning reading the 29th proverb. It takes about three minutes, and it's very easy to understand. It's very practical. It's full of one-liners, bullet points. Most scripture runs contextually, where chapter 2 builds on chapter 3. Proverbs stand alone. They're not contextual. They're just bullet points of wisdom that you can take. And when you read that proverb of the day, do what I do. I look for a thought, a theme, marching orders for that day. And it's, it's always something that will jump out at you. Be thankful. Keep your mouth shut. Because when you open your mouth, you ruin everything. And, and just think about whatever it says that jumps out to you. Say, that's what I'm going to think about all day long. That's going to be my focus. I'm going to get a focus in the morning out of Proverbs. And that will help you. It will change the course of your day. But I want to add something to you because if you want more, you've got to do more. I'm going to get the musicians to come on up now. Um. I want you to add this for as long as you can. I want you to get a piece of paper, a spreadsheet, a Word doc, write it on your walls, paint over it when you're done with it. I want you to start writing down every morning or every night, whenever works best for you, three things that you're thankful for. See, very few people are going to do this, but it's going to change your life if you do it. You say, why do I have to write it down? Because you've got to get involved in putting some effort in. You've got to get some skin in the game. Write down every day. And listen, change it at least once a week. Don't just have to say the same three things up there. Because you can just put your kids' names up there, and that would cover most of us. What are you really thankful for? Salvation. Living in what is still the greatest country in the world, no matter what people tell you. Having Whatever it is that you have, a roof over your head, shoes on your feet, write down something and truly, I like what one preacher told me. He said, unless you thank God today for the nails on your toes and the hair in your nose, you're not to run out of things to be thankful for. And I promise you this, lose a nail off one of them toes. <clears throat> You'll wish it to grow back. Three things, right? Start, start your day off writing down things that you're thankful for that day. And think about those things throughout that day. Think about those things. See, because write down your kids' names. See, here's, here's what I wrote down today. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for my children. And I'm thankful for the people in this church. And as I focus on being thankful for salvation, I begin to get an awareness and an attitude develops that says the big thing's already covered. I'm going to heaven when this is over. So everything else is temporary. When I I think about all throughout the day, I'm thankful for my children. Man, my kids are are everything to me. Their mother died when when they were two and four years old. We're the home team now, it's us. And, And we're everything to each other. You ought to be thankful for the people in your family. And, and as, as I write that down and I think about it throughout the day, it allows me to pray for them. And then it reminds me how blessed I am to have children that are healthy, children that love me, children that are functional most of the time. Please do this. Please. On a piece of paper somewhere. With lipstick on your bathroom mirror. Whatever kind of way you have to do it, write down what you're thankful for and start telling God, God, I thank you for it. 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 Because until you repeatedly express thanksgiving, you can't get gratitude. And gratitude is a state of mind where you live. And I have been in some low places in my life. I have been extremely happy and overflowing with joy, and I've been so depressed I couldn't get out of bed. I've been through a lot of stuff in 53 years. But I can tell you that if you learn how to be thankful for what you do have, you'll stop worrying about what you don't have, and then gratitude will come into your mind. Write these things down. Express thankfulness more and develop this attitude of gratitude. I didn't talk about salvation this morning. If you're not saved, the Bible says if you call on the Lord, he'll save you. You don't have to meet with me. You don't have to shake my hand. There's no magic prayer in the Bible to get saved. If you want to get saved, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, ask God to save you, forgive you of your sins. If you're not where you need to be as a Christian, ask God to help you get to where you need to be as a Christian. He's commanded us. He said his will for us is to be thankful. Write down some things that you're thankful for. Go through it every day. Complain less, give God thanks more, and it's going to grow in your mind, and you're going to develop this gratitude. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Father, I pray you'd help us to live your word and follow it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast, and visit us on the web.